Hallelujah. Let's go Second Kings. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 8. Then the king of Syria warred against Israel and took counsel with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. And the man of God sent unto the king of Israel, saying, Beware that thou pass not such a place. For thither the Syrians are come down. And the king of Israel sent to the place which the man of God told him and warned him of, and saved himself there, not once, nor twice. Therefore the heart of the king of Syria was so troubled for this thing. And he called his servants and said unto them, Will ye not show me which of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, None, my lord, O king. But Elisha the prophet that is in Israel telleth the king of Israel the words that thou speakest in thy bedchamber. And he said, Go and spy where he is, that I may send and fetch him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. He said, Therefore sent he thither horses and chariots and a great host. And they came by night and compassed the city about. And when the servant of the man of God was risen early and gone forth, behold, an host compassed the city, both with horses and chariots. And his servant said unto him, Alas, my master, how shall we do? And he answered, Fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Hallelujah. In the world that we're living in right now, there is a situation that makes it look like the enemy seems to have some uh, leverage and is doing whatever he feels that he, he can do. And people are going through a lot of things, not quite sure where to be, what to do, and stuff like that. If I had a case, it's like what is described to us in the book of Romans. It says, and we know, verse 28 of Romans chapter 8, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? We read earlier, he said that they that be with us are more than they that are with them. In the battle of life or in the things that are happening around the world, it is important that we know that it is not the resources that the children of darkness have is nothing compared to the resources of the kingdom of God. What the advantage is in spiritual resources. The advantage is not in physical resources. Because the physical world is controlled from the spiritual. Hallelujah. 
So in the battle of life, you are not disadvantaged. There is nothing that is going on around us in which we are disadvantaged as children of God. There is no disadvantage to the child of God. At this time, people were coming and they were, they were trying to, to, to kill the king of Israel. They were trying to kill him. And while they were trying to do that, God was already strategizing because he was submitted to spiritual authority. Sometimes people do not see the value in submitting to spiritual authority, to the order of God. Some people don't see the value in it. When you submit to God's order of things, you are in the will of God. Hallelujah. Now, because of grace, sometimes when we're not in the will of God, God still loves us and he protects us. He protects us to a point. Praise the Lord Jesus. Amen. So we ought not to stay in a place or in, a, in, a, in an arena that is contrary to the will of God. That's not God's plan for us, that we should be in a place that is not the will of God for us. No, he doesn't want us there. Hallelujah. Now, in verse 17, the Bible says that Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw that, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. These are the spiritual resources. We are not alone. God is with us. That's how come people are getting healed. You have testimonies of God doing things because he's present. The Holy Ghost is here. The angels are here. You know, it, it, it happens that people talk a lot about the things that the adversary has done, how that people, you know, go into places, they do some evil things and all of that. They, they seem to major on the activities of the adversary. But our God is a big God. <laughs> He's the almighty God. We are never disadvantaged. He has never lost a battle. Hallelujah. So right off the bat, we have won even before we started fighting. You know what he did in Jesus what he did in the Lord for us. God the Father made sure that our salvation is a, was a done deal. That was why he started it in Christ. He finished it in him. Jesus said on the cross as he was about to depart, he said, it is finished. He finished it before he began it. So before you got born again, before the battle even started, the battles or the challenges of life started, God has already decided the outcome. That is why Jesus said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. These things have I spoken unto you 
that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. So he's saying there's trouble out there, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, there have been times when I was under pressure and stuff was going on, and I was, you know, wondering. He said, but you said I should be of good cheer. <laughs> there's trouble. And, you know, he said, be of good cheer. I said, I understand that. I can be of good cheer. He said, I have overcome the world. He said, you have overcome the world. That's cool. But what about me? <laughs> I did not understand. When he overcame, he did not do it for himself. He did it for me. He did it for me. He didn't do it for himself. When Jesus was on the cross, I was on the cross. You and I were on the cross. In the substitutionary work of Christ was that Jesus died in our place. He suffered in our place. He died in our place. When he was suffering, we were suffering. When he died, we died. When he went to hell, we went to hell with him. When he rose from the dead, we rose together with him. Hallelujah. So victory belongs to us. Before it starts at all. Hallelujah. So you need to know. That's the good news. Whatever is coming, I've already won. Because there is the advantage that I have as a Christian. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord and said, smite these people, I pray thee with blindness. And he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. What you're saying in the midst of that thing is important. God is waiting for you. Don't, don't just be saying, oh, God, what are you doing? I'm going to do about the situation. God is waiting for you. What do you want me to do? There was a certain man, blind Bethmeos, the son of Timaeus. The Bible says that he was by the wayside begging. He was a beggar. He was a son of Abraham or a descendant of Abraham, a heir to the promise of Abraham, yet he was a beggar. And he was by the wayside begging when Jesus came by. The spiritual resource came by. The resource center came by. The source came by. And as Jesus was walking by, he heard. He was blind, so he couldn't have seen him. But he heard. And he began to shout and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people said, be quiet. Stop screaming. You're making a lot of noise. And they which went before rebuked him that he should hold his peace. For he cries so much the more. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood and commanded him to be brought unto him. And when he was come near, he asked him, saying, 
what will thou that I should do unto thee? And he said, Lord, that I may receive my sight. What is it in that situation that you want God to do for you? Some people get angry. Can't he see that I'm blind? Why must he be asking me that? You know, some people have that attitude when they come to ministers of the gospel who are representatives of God and they become angry. They lose it because they've been in frustration. They've been tormented by the adversary, by the circumstance of their lives. And they are, they are so bitter and frustrated. Whenever a person finds himself angry with the Lord, that is double tragedy. Because there's a clever, a smart adversary somewhere who has injured the person and gotten the person convinced that to get help to be healed of that injury or that the person who caused the injury was the person who came to help. Double tragedy. When a man is angry with God, I feel sorry for the person. Because the devil has convinced that person that God is to blame. God does not owe anybody anything. Let's start from there. But God has chosen, he chose by himself to love us and to take care of us. He chose by himself to make a man or human beings that have wheels. He didn't make robots. Elisha was in covenant with God. He's a, he's a person in fellowship with God. The thing is that the wayfaring man who's just walking thinks that God owes him something. God didn't owe you nothing. In America, you find that people say, don't pray in schools. When they shoot in schools, they say, where was God? You said they shouldn't call him in. God doesn't go where he's not invited. If blind but males had not said anything to Jesus, how many of us know he would have died blind? If when they told him to shut up, that he was embarrassing them, if he shut up, how many of us know he would have died a blind man? God does not come in uninvited. God does not act on our behalf uninvited. This is the reason for prayer meetings around the world, that Christians are praying. The Bible tells us as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. When Elisha told the king where not to go, if he was stubborn, he would have gone to that place and they would have killed him. And God would still be God even though members of his family will be angry with God, it doesn't matter. You know, somebody can be angry, so angry with God, become an atheist. If he dies, he will still go to hell. He's not going to change anything. And God will not stop being God. That's why I say it's double tragedy. Does that stop him from being God? 
No, does it stop from being loved? He loves you, but he can't force himself on you by the nature of who he is. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. We're supposed to be led, but we're not disadvantaged. We're not disadvantaged in any way. We may seem to be counted as sheep for the slaughter, but the Bible says in all these things, we are more. Let's read it. Romans chapter 8. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? So God is for us. We need to settle that. God is for us. Amen? He's for us. He sent Jesus to die for us. He's for us. He's not against us. If you missed it, does not mean that God is against you. If you missed it, repent. And when they came down to him, Elisha prayed unto the Lord, and he says, smite this people. I prayed it with blindness, and he smote them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. And Elisha said unto them, this is not the way, neither this is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom ye seek. But he led them to Samaria, and it came to pass that when they came unto Samaria, that Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. And the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. And the king of Israel said unto Elisha, when he saw them, my father, shall I smite them? Shall I smite them? And he answered, thou shalt not smite them. Wouldest thou smite those whom thou hast taken captive with thy sword and with thy bow? Set bread and water before them that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So when he did that, they went back and throughout his reign, the Syrians never came back into Israel. Wisdom is better than weapons of war. Wisdom comes from the Lord. He will give you wisdom for every situation. But it suffices to say that we are never disadvantaged. When you understand that, you will not compromise your faith in Christ. God is with us. The angels are with us real time. What are you saying about what is going on? Are you declaring the position of the world? You know, we don't talk like the world. We should not talk like the world. When the world has, uh, men are being cast down, the Bible says we, you and I, will say there's a lifting up. We don't go around talking like the world, acting like the world. No. We are the righteous ones of God. We are the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill. They that are with us are much more than they that are with them. We cannot be defeated. The church cannot be destroyed. Neither can you. The Bible says that you're born of the incorruptible seed. Incorruptible, indestructible seed of the word of God. Hallelujah. But destruction comes when we do not believe what God has said. Who has believed our report? To whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? 
All we need to do is make sure, is this what God has promised us? Yes, it belongs to us. Hallelujah. Regardless of what's happening in the economy, we cannot be disadvantaged. Do you know that when, they, when those flies and the plagues were in Israel, in the land of Goshen, there was no plague. When there was total darkness in Egypt, in the land of Goshen, there was light. When the children of Egypt began their firstborns were dying, that was the only time that God said to the children of Israel, put blood on the lintel of, on the, the lintel of your doors. When the, when the angel of death passes by, it will pass over you. We heard from oral, you know, hand down, oral tradition, which is people handing down stories from one to another and all of that among the Jews, that they were Egyptians who were so afraid of Jehovah that they put the blood on their lintel and the angel of death passed over them. They went to the Jews, give us some of this blood that you are putting on the door, and they took it. They believed. 